the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. How are you, Clark Nation, if I can be so bold to call you that? I sure appreciate your loyalty. We have new listeners joining us every week. The analytics showed that we're in excess of 18 countries now. I appreciate that. Get the word out. And to remind you that my website is danclark.com. You can click on that, on click on receive free gifts and training, join my tribe. I'm interviewed on other radio stations, on television stations. I have lots and lots of videos of my crazy stories, funny, inspirational stories from Chicken Soup for the Soul. I even have song lyrics. My my website gives you kind of the plethora menu of the things I've been up to for the last 35 years. And because you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it a thousand more times, we become the average of the five people we associate with the most. We must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings, and that includes internet radio, voiceamerica.com, the on-demand podcast available as well. You know, I've contemplated what I could do this week for my guests and for my, my, my topic, and I guess it was divine intervention trying to figure out whom... I could invite to interview on my show because I take a lot of pride in that. And most of the time I reach out to my circle of dear, dear friends who I know are experts who I've interacted with for many, many years and I know that they can bring so much to my show. But this week was kind of a weird week in the sense that I could not schedule anyone for the show and now I know why. Because of the tragic uh, horrific events that took place on Sunday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. The largest mass murder in the history of our country. Orlando, when the terrorists opened fire on that nightclub and killed 49. Well, this gentleman's toll is now 59, and we're all afraid that that toll will increase as far as the number of dead, the number of deceased. And well over 500, I think I saw 527 injured. We don't know how severe those injuries are. Hopefully a few of them are scuffed knees or, or broken ribs when they got trampled in the, in the melee. But we know when there's gunshot wounds, it could be so catastrophic. And our thoughts and prayers go out to the families, the hurting. I want to acknowledge, as has been acknowledged on national TV, thank God, I want to acknowledge the first responders. Without getting controversial, I've disagreed with what the NFL was doing to protest, and they have a right to protest. We all do. That's an amendment. That's a constitutional right of every United States citizen. But you don't drag in the flag, and you definitely don't drag in the the, the national anthem that represents all the servicemen and women who have died and given their life so that we may live 
remember in the in the military we give medals to those who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that others may live and in the corporate arena we give bonuses to those who are willing to sacrifice others so that they may survive and our first responders especially our police officers our EMTs our firefighters in every single catastrophic event every emergency while everybody else is running away in the case of Las Vegas with everybody running away from the bullets our police officers yes blue lives matter they were running towards the bullets and in that mindset i want to make sure that this program is dedicated to to the tragedy in Las Vegas the horrible tragedy in Las Vegas so that perhaps we can come up with some answers and make sure that none of us listening ever get ourselves in a situation where we think it's our right and opportunity to put somebody else down to make us feel better about who we are that it's never anybody's opportunity to take another person's life so i want to tackle some tough issues and remind us that there is more good than evil in the world and my first guest is a psychologist and commentator Dr. Bart Rossi and he will provide insight into the tragedy as he talks about what kind of person becomes a mass murderer and in the second hour we're going to talk about uh kind of continue on with this positive psychology theme and bring in Amy a, a magnificent guest a magnificent expert on uh, positivity on positive IQ and that will make probably one of the most monumental and important shows that I've put together thus far since I've been on the air. So having said that my friends, let's just kind of talk about human nature. Let's just talk for a moment about about why we seem to default to blaming and complaining when something goes wrong in our lives which seems to be maybe one of the motives of this crazy Steve Paddock who opened fire in Las Vegas. No one knows the motive. And I'm scratching my head trying to figure out what I could say that would set up my conversation and interview with the amazing and the incredible uh, Dr. Bart Rossi. So imagine this. Although you are a leader, manager, mentor, or coach, imagine yourself as a therapist. And a young woman comes into your office and starts to yell and cry and whine that the reason her life is out of control is because of her father, that her dear old dad is the cause of her pain and misery. So my question to you is what counsel would you give her? Would you suggest bringing her father in so you could begin treating him? It's only logical that if he is the cause of her woes, if you cure him, her pain should go away have you ever experienced a similar situation when it comes to blaming and complaining taking full responsibility for your every thought and action means you must release all thoughts of blaming and do you ever enjoy a brisk rampage of blame on the government or the terrorists or the chinese or the oil companies for high gas prices or maybe even mcdonald's for our overweightness and obesity when you stop and refine your thinking to take 100% responsibility you realize that you're either participating in creating that situation or allowing it to continue 
which means we must also release all of our complaining. Let me ask you, what have you recently complained about? In order to complain, you've got to have a reference point of something you want, an item or a situation that is better than what you have now or more desirable than what, you, than what someone else has. Are you with me? Something you have not been willing to risk creating, so you feel entitled to complain about it instead. Perhaps you've been complaining about your job, and that would mean that you believe a better job than the one you have exists somewhere out there. What is it? Where is it? What are you going to do about it? Suppose you're complaining about your spouse or your partner. That simply means you believe there is a better spouse or partner somewhere out there waiting, looking for you. What reasons do individuals cite which allow themselves to believe and think this way? And if you're one of them, the show is for you. I can't wait to talk to Dr. Rossi. To set it up, I want to go to a commercial break so I have a chance to uh, chat with him for a second on the air. But to set it up, I want to introduce something that's been fascinating to me that I'm sure Dr. Rossi will talk about. When you think of a psychologist, when you think of a psychiatrist, in my mind, and hopefully I'm speaking for so many of you listeners, in my mind, I visualize me coming into someone's office, lying down on the sofa and complaining about everything and having him or her listen to me and and empowering me to to come back. (laughs) Positive psychology is the scientific study of the strengths that enable individuals and communities to thrive. We don't go to the negative side. We go to the positive side, the solution side. The field is founded on the belief that people want to lead meaningful and fulfilling lives to cultivate what is best within themselves and to enhance their experiences of love, work, and play. So if you're like me, I want to know about positive psychology. What are the three pillars of positive psychology? As I researched, I discovered that the three pillars of positive psychology have three central concerns, positive experiences, positive individual traits, and positive institutions. Therefore, understanding positive emotions entails the study of contentment with the past, happiness in the present, and hope for the future. Let's go to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the famous and expert, Dr. Bart Rossi. Be back in a moment. stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers i just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable dan clark was the keynote speaker he is clearly the most interesting man in the world he's been into space he reminded us to think bigger he's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books and he inspired all of us to make our lives matter He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. 
Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My first guest is, is world famous. And not because he's so eloquent and not because he has this incredibly cool accent to listen to, good brother. But let me just share a little bit about his long and lengthy resume. Dr. Bart Rossi, PhD, is a political psychologist and commentator who provides insights to stories in the news. He began his on-air commentating with the introduction to MNBC by Karen DeSoto an on-air legal analyst at NBC News, and has since appeared on, a several, uh, on several networks, television networks, including MSNBC, CBS, and Fox 5, the cable news shows News 12, Power and Politics, and especially the Emmy-winning cable show, The Fresh Outlook. Dr. Rossi is a member of the American Psychological Association, the New Jersey Psychological Association, former board member, and New Jersey Association for the Advancement of Psychology. He's the former chairperson. Obviously, now I know where your accent's from. He has appeared in print for the New York Daily News, USA Today, U.S. Daily Review, Social Magazine, and the New Jersey State League of Municipalities Magazine. Dr. Rossi, welcome to the Influencers Channel. What an honor. I know you've been on two television shows already today. You're so busy and you've carved out enough time for me and my listeners. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let's get right into the interview. Tell me about your life. I want to know... I want to know a little bit about your background so that we can kind of connect the dots of how on earth you decided to pursue this profession of psychology. 
Well, it's, it's very nice to be with you, and uh, that's a great question. Uh, let me just say first, I, I really wanted to become a clinical psychologist in, in, in college. Uh, I, was, I was interested in um, psychology, and uh, I got my Ph.D. at Fordham in the Bronx, and uh, then I became a diplomat in clinical. And I, I worked actually, I had my own business doing mental health services to the elderly in nursing homes, and um, when I sold that in 2009... I did more and more TV work and uh, on most of the major networks and local stations. Currently, I'm the CBS analyst here in Florida, in southwest Florida. And um, I, I really mixed, if you will, clinical psychology with politics, uh, looking at the personalities and the features, the winning traits and not-so-good traits of our politicians, and also looking at the psychology of a lot of the issues. How do we think about some of these issues? You know, what are we thinking about when, when it comes to health care and guns in America and, and um, immigration and all of the issues of the day, trying to be fair on all sides? So that's basically a, a, a snapshot of me blending, if you will, clinical psychology with um, the political scene. You know, uh I played football for 13 years and I was paralyzed for 14 months. 16 doctors told me I wouldn't get better. And as I started to get better, I was asked to speak. That's how I became a speaker and an author. And what I share with my audience is that the reason why I stayed paralyzed for 14 months was because I was asking the wrong questions. I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. And once we answer why, figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple. Not easy, but but simple. So I want to talk about why people blame others and why people want to complain about everything instead of taking personal responsibility for their actions. Based on my preamble to the show, I figure with your background, this would be an intriguing question that all of my listeners want to know the answer to, and there's no better solution guru than you, my friend. Can you, can you teach us about why it's human nature? It seems to be human nature to blame and complain, and then what we're supposed to do about it, how we change our mindset so that we stop doing that? Well, well two, two things on this point, because I think your, your lead-in on, on the complaining is just really excellent. Um, and I, I have two major thoughts. First off, why people do it, I, I think a lot of people have an easy way out. Uh, you know, I'm heavy, I'm fat, because it's just in my genes. That's the way I was born. It's an easy excuse to eat more and be fat, be overweight, and have various health problems. Uh, there's a lot of easy ways out, if you will, if you want to blame everybody else and not look at yourself. Uh, it's part of human nature, maybe, to take the easy road sometimes and not look at yourself and your own traits and your own characteristics. You look at everything around you, but you don't really look at yourself. So that that's something that really uh, is out there. Uh, everybody has to be self-critical. A lot of people aren't. And I think that's, that's a major factor, major point that I'd like to make. But the most important point that I really want to make here is uh, on your issue with the complaining and your lead-in is that cognitive behavioral therapy today, what psychologists can do is quite remarkable. We really try to help people think differently. And if we can help all of us, including myself or you, anybody, think differently about anything, then what happens? Behavior changes. And psychologists have a lot of good techniques now where they can help people uh, look at a particular conflict in their life, look at a certain problem, or even look at something that's going very well and, and take advantage of it in terms of 
looking at things in, in a different way and developing strategies, if you will, to assist and make a difference in your behaviors, your behaviors looking at yourself. For example, a lot of times psychologists like to look at guided imagery, just to pick one strategy, where they try to help people look at where they're going to be two months from now, three months from now, two years from now, what their goals are, what their strategies are for getting there, how they can think positively, to emphasize your word, how they can think of things positively to get from here to there. Uh, interesting, I, I also want to note that I find it incredible that almost every professional golfer in America has their own clinical psychologist, behavioral psychologist, but yet in America, parents are afraid to take their kids to, psych- to the psychologist where they can get help to do any number of things. So yeah, those are my and athletes, points. Yeah, and athletes, athletes, professional athletes, the teams provide sports psychologists. Every single athlete, every single phenomenal musician has a teacher, has a coach. And the ironic truth, Dr. Rossi, is that complainers usually whine and voice their complaints to those who can't do anything about the issues. So what you're suggesting is instead of just sitting around and complaining, or if you're a parent, instead of allowing your children to sit around and blame others and complain, what they need to do is find someone like you who's a trained professional who has the tools and the techniques and the, and the systems in place to actually help us change our mindset, which changes behavior. And it sounds like, <coughs> excuse me, that there's no more room for hopelessness. What we've got to do is take action. Is that correct? Absolutely. A- absolutely correct. And I think that that's one of the problems in America today. What we really need to do is look at mental health differently. We need to look at what mental health can do for all of us to enrich our lives and not look at it as a stigma. I mean, we need to do so much more in, in middle schools and high schools to bring kids in, parents in, to learn about mental health, mental health issues, what to be aware of, and also to, to look at what we should be aware of on the positive sense. What traits do kids have, for example, or even adults that will help them going forward and be outstanding, whether it's in leadership or sports or any number of different uh, tech fields, what are the traits and qualities and characteristics that can carry someone forward, and how do they use those skills to enrich their lives to the maximum? We can do a lot of this stuff now as, as psychologists with uh, cognitive behavioral techniques, uh, and, and we don't have to do what you said before, is bring in um, someone's father who was pathological or, socio- <laughs> or a sociopath and deal with him. No, we deal with the person and the person, the individual's thinking and their thought process. I mean, I'm still trying to get my head together and my own thought process on my golf swing. I'm, I'm learning that if I think differently, my swing is going to be a little bit better. So it, it works on everything. <laughs> I love it. I need you to come out on the course with me. I'm losing balls in the ball washer. You think you had a bad year? I had my ball retriever regripped, man. I need to hire you and just have you come play 18 holes with me, brother. Hey, I want to I want to go to a commercial break, but I want to I want to tantalize my listeners and make sure that they go absolutely nowhere as we go to commercial break. It's a chance for them to invite some friends, family members to listen to our live broadcast, which will be rebroadcast as a podcast on demand 10 to 13 times during the week. So it's great exposure, Doc, and I appreciate you being on the program. But what I want listeners to anticipate, when we come back, I want you to give us some insight into the tragedy 
at, in Las Vegas, and what kind of a person becomes a mass murderer? You said that there are actual ways that you've been trained to help every single person on this planet to change their mindset, which changes their behavior, and they no longer are the victim mentality. You know, I hate myself. I'm going to kill myself, so I might as well kill others because I'm going down. I'll just take a whole bunch of folks down with me. That's intriguing to me, Doc, and I'd like to go to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with Dr. Bart Rossi, one of the most famous and one of the most highly sought-after psychologists and, uh, and, and, and commentators, if you will, who can answer some of the toughest questions facing our, our society today that were illuminated in such a horrific way in Las Vegas, Nevada this weekend. Commercial break. We'll be back in a moment. stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. it's easy and best of all it's free start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top once you've created an account and signed in you can create your own custom library opt into our newsletter Search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Hey, welcome back with my guest, Dr. Bart Rossi, Ph.D. He's a political psychologist and commentator who provides insights to stories in the news. What an honor to have you on my show. You have seen him. I have seen him on television networks, including MSNBC, CBS, Fox 5, the cable news show, News 12, Power and Politics, and the Emmy-winning cable show, The Fresh Outlook. You can get a hold of Dr. Rossi. You can you can join his tribe. He has a magnificent website that will answer all of your questions and give you access to his books his his commentary, 
his his white papers, anything that you need. And you can find Dr. Bart Rossi at B as in boy, B Rossi, R-O-S-S-I dot U-S, B Rossi dot U-S. Okay, as promised to my listeners, let's talk about uh, the tragedy in Las Vegas that occurred this this weekend. And Dr. Rossi, why don't we begin this in-depth discussion about you identifying or comparing Steve Paddock, this Las Vegas shooter, to the other shooters? Because I understand you already have a profile on these other mass murderers. In other words, the Orlando Club, the movie theater in Colorado, Newtown, Sandy Hook. We could go probably all the way back to Columbine, Colorado, Columbine High School. Let's talk about the profile that all these shooters, these mass murderers have in common, and then maybe isolate Steve Paddock, this uh, this Las Vegas murderer, terrorist, to, to share your insights on why he's a little bit different in his profile. Let's go right back to the back. Why would someone want to get, how does someone get to the point where they're so angry, they're so confused that they want to kill somebody else? Well, okay. Typically, the profile of the shooter is someone who has uh, been uh, angry over a long period of time. They feel rejected by their peers, maybe even their parents or other people. They feel like that they're on the outside of society looking in. Uh, they're not going anywhere in life. They feel like they're an underachiever. They're not making it. Usually, they're younger, uh, and they have nowhere to go. Uh, there's despair, uh, very bad peer group relations, maybe been bullied, uh, all sorts of factors that play into someone uh, becoming very angry. And then that generates into, in my view, what psychologists call a retained anger. It's anger that, that is there for a long period of time and results in a personality disorder where someone is just so angry that they're ready to be explosive in one way or another. And then we have, of course, this retained anger that moves forward into a rage where they become rageful and they want to strike out at the whole world. And uh, they feel almost warranted in doing so because they're, they're so frustrated and angry with everyone and society that they want to um, destroy other people and themselves. They, they usually want either commit suicide or have suicide by, by police. Um, so that's the typical profile and with this, with this older individual, uh, we do have some commonalities, though. Uh, he, he did commit suicide, so that's, that's similar. Uh, in my view, we're going to find out in the next few days or weeks why he had this anger over such a long period of time, perhaps how he masked it uh, to some extent. But he had to have tremendous anger and rage to plan this for a long period of time, to buy all these weapons and all the ammunition, and to think about this. So we don't really know yet why exactly he has this, this long-standing anger and, and, in my view, a long-standing personality disorder. But we do know other factors, too, about him. He's an obsessive, uh, compulsive gambler. And impulsivity is a characteristic of, 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 a, of a gambler like this. And he also has a father who was on the most wanted FBI list. So there's some background issues perhaps with the family. Uh, maybe, I don't know what's going on there, but maybe being rejected or having some terrible experiences early on. 
So there may be many factors that are in play here in terms of this particular older gentleman, I don't want to call him a gentleman, older person um, really becoming uh, a, 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 a terrorist, you know. Uh, I, I really think that there's a lot of factors in play, and we will find out what actually made him this angry. Uh, and it's probably a combination of events. And it will put him in a similar uh, comparison to the other shooters um, in, in a lot of ways, with the anger, the retained anger, the rage, uh, suicide, uh, but a little different in his age and the fact that he was obviously successful financially. So we're going to see how it plays out, but I think there's going to be a lot of commonality here, the other shooters. Very interesting. Let me, uh, let me ask you to take it all the way back to parenting our children. Right now, one of the key issues in our country is in, at the teenage level is the bullying, the the cyber, the internet bullying, and the actual physical bullying in school. With my twisted sense of humor, I try to put that into perspective and ask myself, why do people actually sit at home and watch Jerry Springer on TV? And my naivety tells me that when they watch Jerry Springer, they actually say to themselves, my life sucks, but it doesn't suck as bad as their lives suck. So somehow I feel better about myself. And psychologically, what they're doing is putting somebody else down to make themselves feel better about who they are. So because they've stopped dreaming, because they've stopped making progress and they really are stagnant and stuck, the only way that they can feel like they're making progress, and I happen to believe human beings are, are hardwired for progress, we seek something new, something else. If we're actually stuck and our only alternative to make ourselves feel like we're making progress is to put somebody else down physically, emotionally, sexually, whatever the case may be, verbally, if that's our only recourse then we see that on our streets, we see that in our neighborhoods, we sometimes see that in our in our in our own families, we see that in schools, we see that in community. What I'm trying to do is drag you all the way down to the fundamentals that each of us can see on a daily basis and maybe go to the prevention side. It's better to build a fence at the edge of the cliff than it is to park an ambulance at its base. You know all the cliches. Teach us what we could do as parents, as friends, as school teachers, as administrators when we see someone who has the tendency to want to bully. If I'm correct that the reason why we bully is to put somebody else down to make us feel better about who we are. Can you address that and teach us, am I off base or are we on to something here? No, I think you have a, a, a comment here about a trait that is out there. It's a real trait that many people walk around with. We're putting people down or laughing at somebody else if it's not exactly bullying. Uh, we'll make them feel better about themselves. I think it's a rather perverted way of making yourself uh, feel good about your own being. I think it's very sad that we have a society where this trait actually exists and is cultivated sometimes by uh, oddball parents and, um, and, and peer groups. But, but, but I, I think it's out there, and I think that it's part of our society. It's, you see it on talk TV and talk radio, and you, you see it in uh, some of the games and some of the stupid things that are out in our society today. But I, I think that... It's so much better, and I think millennials have a little bit better idea than some others on this, 
It's so much better just to move forward in life and take a look at where we can go, what we can do, what we can accomplish. Parents ought to think about this and look at the traits and the characteristics of the kids that they have. What is the best approach to this particular young, young person that I have as a child? What, what kinds of skills and what kind of personality does, does my son or daughter have that's going to really enrich uh, society and make them comfortable being who they are, what kind of a person they can become, and maybe most importantly, how they can become the person that they really want to be. If we had all of these kinds of thoughts with parents about the positive and emphasize what, where we can go and not dwell on the negative and putting people down, I mean, racist comments by parents, negative comments by parents, uh, putting people down, uh, showing their own bias and prejudices is only going to affect kids negatively, and it's going to harm them in the long run. And it seems like, you know, uh, with the younger generation, uh, I don't see as much uh, of this negativity. Uh, they have their own issues, of course, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I see them being more honest when it comes to relationships with people. They don't care about the color of the person um, or their background. They, they just care about the character of the individual. And um, I think a lot of people can, can learn that from the millennials uh, uh, in many respects. I love it. Paraphrasing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., let's judge each other by the content of our character instead of the color of our skin. You're such a wise man. You know, my last book is called The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success. I have the 12 highest universal laws of life-changing leadership. I started off with law number one, obedience, because I believe that's the highest, the first law of the universe, and everything else is kind of subject to that. It's kind of the governing principle. And I'm often intrigued by how parents think that when they teach their children obedience, they think that means controlling behavior, and that's not the case. Teach us about teaching others to obey the rules so that we avoid getting in trouble, so we avoid the the beginning of this life cycle where we're the victim and, well, what about, you know, whoa, me, blah, 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 life's not fair. Can you give us some insight to parents on how we how we teach this positive aspect of, 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 of humility, of, of positive attitude, whatever you think the elements are that, that allow us to want to obey the rules so we don't get ourselves into trouble. Does that make sense? It, it does make some sense to me because I think that there are certain rules, uh, if you will, let's, let's put rules in quotes here, rules that, that people should really think about every day. Uh, they should really think about how they treat other people. They should treat uh, other people with decency, and, and they should. It, it, it's not in a rule book, and it's so well defined, but it is a rule. I mean, there, it is a rule in terms of how we treat people and how we move forward with the, in our lives. We also should have a uh, take a look at the rules governing ourselves in terms of our physical well-being and our mental well-being. We sh- there should be rules uh, that we obey in terms of. Uh, taking care of ourselves, looking at ourselves and what we can do to make ourselves a better person, uh, health-wise, physically and mentally and in any other way. There are a lot of basic rules in life that are not laid out and so well-defined that you can, um, you, you, you can, you can you know, dot the I's and cross the T, but they're nonetheless, they're rules that we should look at, and I think that if they're positive rules, 
uh, that govern us as we move forward, it will help people to become who they want to be. Dwelling on uh, the negative, or as you said before, complaining, uh, complaining, you know, about my jeans because that's, you know, that's the reason why I'm heavy, or complaining about McDonald's because, you know, they're feeding me food that I shouldn't eat. <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense. But there should be uh, rules that we obey that are, that are common sense and, and um, help us going forward. Uh, with that said, I also think that on a positive way, we should challenge all the rules in life, too because we want to challenge the rules and actually look at ourselves in the most favorable and positive light. And um, uh, for me, I, I actually like activists. I, I like activists, even if I don't particularly like them or their cause, because they challenge society. Some of them don't make a lot of sense to me, but as long as it's peaceful, I kind of like the challenge out there. I think it's part of Americana. So I like I the rules, and I like also people that challenge the rules. I love it. I love it. So we spend our whole lives seeking answers to questions, and what you're suggesting is that at some point we need to question the answers. I love it. So let me ask you a question then. Regardless of culture, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of neighborhood, are you suggesting that we all could come to some common denominator as far as social graces? Is it? Do you think regardless of our skin color, regardless of our of our religious traditions, if we have any, are there, are there certain things that we all ought to agree on, like saying please and thank you, like being grateful, like giving up our seat to the elderly or a disabled, you know, like respecting authority. Is that too much to ask? Are those rules that you're, you're calling the intangible rules that we could all agree on? So regardless of our, about the color of our skin, we're talking about character and we're talking about certain things that we all ought to be able to agree on, like, you know, self-respect and respecting property, respecting authority, respecting ourselves, respecting each other. What, what, what are some common rules that you think that go across every neighborhood, every ethnicity, every race, every religious tradition? Well, well I think you've just named a good number of them, actually. I, I agree. I, I think that we can move forward and have a society where there's an emphasis on uh, what's common sense and, and, and what's good, uh, you know, giving up your seat for, for somebody who, who's in need, uh, helping someone who's uh, indigent, assisting people um, on the street or helping people uh, uh, make a step in life, recommending somebody who's going to be successful, uh, doing your, your best to help somebody else. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of people that really want to help people that are... Um, victims of the hurricane, and they don't do it because they just say it. They mean it. Uh, and I just did a segment where I, I, I said one of, one of my points was if someone wants to give you something they, want, they really want to help you, you should take it because these people mean it. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of times in life where you can reciprocate. So I, I do think that we should look at the rules. And, I, again, going back to these the millennials, I think they're more interested in getting along and, um, and being decent and respectful and having fun with each other and networking better than uh, older people did. So I, I think they have some traits that actually might lead us down this road. I really do. Absolutely. So as we wind down together, I would be remiss if I didn't get us on the, the political 
uh, side. My book, as I said, The Art of Significance, 12 Highest Universal Laws. The first one is obedience. And as I put together the list of laws and started with 21 and whittled them down to 12, my last law, the final law, the 12th law, the bookend law is forgiveness. And based on what you've been teaching us, doctor, um, they say holding a grudge or retaining anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's like being stung to death by a single bee. And so because you've introduced this word of rules, are there certain communication rules in place, especially with our public figures, that need to never be violated? That's the first part of the question because it seems to me that a lot of our politicians are holding grudges. They refuse to forgive someone who said something. They refuse to forgive someone who did something. They fail to understand that no matter what our past has been, you have a spotless future. You can't always control what happens, but you can always control what happens next. So if you were brought into the White House, if you were brought into Congress, to the House, to the Senate, and you were hired as the speech coach from a psychologist's perspective, what rules would you encourage President Trump to follow? What rules would you encourage every spokesperson to follow so that we don't end up in World War III, so that we don't keep feeling like our country is divided. How can you, doctor, help us start to heal as a psychologist? Please give us some insight and, and, and teach us. Well, I would. this brings up the whole point of a winning personality, and I think we do, we do need winning personalities when it comes to our politicians, and keeping in mind, of course, that no one's perfect, no law is perfect, nothing's perfect. So we also should have a lot of forgiveness out there. But, but I, do, I do seriously think that some of the traits that uh, are critical for a winning personality, someone who's going to be successful in politics, first off, you really need to be comfortable in your own skin and you need to be your own person. You could be a little bit more of an introvert, you could be more extroverted, you could be anything but you need to be yourself. You can't be a fake, and you can't be up there lying and saying things that are just plain uh, wrong or, or, or made up or a complete fabrication. That is a really bad start. I also, I also think that you have to really be uh, working on being the best listener you can be. Uh, Clinton was one of the best listeners, whether you like him or not, that anybody could ever be. If you ever spoke with Clinton or ever met him, he would tell you more about yourself than you would ever realize. Yes, uh, Reagan was a fantastic listener, and he would listen to uh, his rival, uh, Dip O'Neill, and then they would compromise. So listening is really important. And I also say a trait that we don't see today is, is that we need is that we need to listen to all sides. Reagan would listen to people that he didn't agree with at all. And Clinton would do the same thing. They would listen to people and they would give them time and they wouldn't diss them. And I think that we have politicians today that are so one-sided, so narrow, they're never thinking of compromise. And that's the last thing that we need in America today. I agree. So... How do I phrase the question about Trump? You say we have to be ourselves. We have to communicate honestly. And uh, 
Do you think he needs to change? Do you think his his communication skills are everything they need to be? Or if you were his speech coach, if you were his communication coach, if you were his psychologist, psychiatrist, what advice would you give uh, President Trump? And I could ask you that about President Obama. I could ask you that about President Bush. Any of the previous presidents, it would seem to me that they should hire a psychologist as part of their staff. Maybe that should be one of the cabinet spots from now on, Doc. Well, it, it could be. It might, I mean, you have a good point there. But I, I think that what I would say about Donald Trump, I, I would never say about uh, George W. Bush or Obama or Reagan or anybody else. I, I think that we, we elected a president that has two major problems, and I don't think, I don't think it's going to change. I don't think a therapist would change. And I don't think anybody would, would change him. He doesn't want to be changed. And I think there's, there's way too much in the narcissistic personality feature there. And I also think there's a thought problem. I really think there's a thought disorder. I mean, I had an office in Jersey City for 24 years, and no one ever saw thousands of Muslims standing up and jumping for joy after 9-11. There was only one person who saw that, according to Donald Trump, and that was him. I mean, he said that Obama wiretapped him. There's no evidence, complete fabrication. I don't think we need these things in our society. I think we need the truth. And deal with the truth and say what you want to say. Even if it's controversial, say it. I mean, Reagan said a lot of controversial things, and, he, and people respected him even more. So I, I think that we, we have a lot of issues here uh, when it comes to the presidency right now. And um, I, I, I see difficulty. I'll be gentle here. I see difficulty on the horizon uh, in the next few months or uh, uh, the next quarter or so. So is there... You know, I, I I take it from your personality and your your education that we can't just throw our hands up. There's always there's always hope. But you know, French philosopher Pascal he's famous for saying, "Too many live their lives hoping to be happy, but because they only hope, they never really are." You know, we're waiting for someone to ask us to the senior prom, and we've never even taken the time to learn how to dance. So obviously, hope is not a method. In the religious sector, they always say, have faith. And I'm like, faith without works is not faith at all. So at some point, we've got to take some action. And with all due respect to every other expert on this planet, you are so in tune, doctor. You are so educated. You have so many life experiences, so many golf clubs in your bag. It (laughs) seems to me, yeah, well, we know that a golf bag holds 14 clubs. So no matter where our ball lies, using the same swing, we can choose the correct club to hit the ball where we need to hit it. And so we can't just throw our hands up and say, well, Trump, you know, those of us who voted for Trump, I voted for Trump. I went to his inauguration and I'm scratching my head going, what on earth has happened? Goodness gracious sakes alive. And as I travel well, I the world. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I really do, because uh, I, I really would like to give someone uh, the benefit of the doubt in most cases. On this one, I, I see nothing but trouble. I see more Trumpism on the way. Yes, sir. And um, I, I think people, uh, some people may want to stick with him and like him because they see certain traits in him, whether they're there or not, they would like to see them, that they identify with. And, um, you know, maybe that's okay for them. But for me, uh, I want somebody with those winning characteristics where they listen I- to all sides 
They're, they're willing to say they made a mistake. They're comfortable in their own skin. They're not lying or fabricating. They're the best listener they could be, and they don't diss anybody. They just listen, and they try to compromise. That's, that's a winner to me. Absolutely, and that's what I... I, I can't even admit, you're going to think I'm the most mentally irregular host you've ever been on a program with because I couldn't see through that on election day. I just knew that the reputation of Hillary across the planet, especially with the military, was was not even close to whatever. And so it was almost choosing between the two choices, if you will. But there's got to be something we can do about it, brother, instead of just letting America go down the tube we, we well, I don't need think to be able to do something. I, I think that's a good point. I don't think we're going to go down the tubes. And, and I, I think Hillary Clinton had a lot of issues. She had a lot of personal issues. And, and the way she presented herself, no, no question about that. that that's, that's not going to uh, uh, go there, really. I mean, she definitely had her own uh, concerns and issues. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that we can move forward by uh, being active in the community, doing what you can do to be the best person you can be, as we talked about. And um, looking at how to contribute to the political scene, how to be fair. Uh, I mean, I'm the CBS analyst here in Florida. I, I go out of my way to try to be fair on all sides. I still have people that say that, you know, they don't like what I said because it's not what they want to hear. But exactly. nonetheless, I try to tell the truth and present facts that are uh, not just, you know, in dispute. So uh, I think there's a lot of things that we can do and we, we need to just to keep Moving forward, and um, I think time will um, will help us if we if we go down that road. Yes, sir. Okay, so some final thoughts on this. I want to bring it back to blame, complain, whatever. Our our tendency is to say the reason why Vegas the the massacre in Vegas occurred was because of some you know, some way that Trump egged on that particular faction. And then when you look at the Orlando mass shooting, when Obama was in the presidency, you can blame Obama. And whenever there's a mass murder, we always bring up the political side of gun control. And we both have issues on that. And we both agree on that. I don't even have to ask you where you sit on that. And I agree with you 100%. But is there some way that we can tie it back to our communities? Is there some way that we can tie our entire conversation back to healing and something that I said at the very, very beginning of the show and that there's so much more love in the world than there is hate. There's so much more love in America than there is hate and the heroic stories of strangers shielding strangers from the bullets and having individuals in Las Vegas actually lose their lives as they were standing or crouching around someone who had already been shot, who had already been injured. The stories that are coming forth from Las Vegas of the true citizen heroes, that's what makes America great. That's what makes us so proud to be Americans. That's the American spirit. As we close out our conversation together, brother, what 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 is your hope for the future? How could we, as citizens, as parents, as neighbors, start healing America. It seems like we're still divided and we've got to start coming together. What would your advice be as a psychologist to 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 come together so that we truly start waving the flag again as Americans that we're all Americans. You know, same God who made you made me too. We love you. 
uh, forget about me, I love you, kind of the family feel. What do you? Th- what, what advice would you give us? I can't let you off the off the air until you counsel us, your brother. Well, I, I think I can answer it. I think that's very well said. I, I wrote an article, "The Lost Art of Compromise," and I would say to, to your points, compromise. And the lost art of compromise was about uh, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill because they compromised on everything. And then they went out and had a drink together and they were best friends. That's what we need today. That's what we need in our community today. We need people who are going to compromise and listen to the other side and not say, I want to vote for someone who's strident, one-sided, rigid, and irrational. That's not going to help us. We need to look at people who are going to compromise and do something that might have some conservative features, might have some progressive features, but we need people who are willing to compromise. We, how would we have a constitution if, if there wasn't compromise? I mean, I compromise with, with, I compromise with my paper boy and where he would put the paper in the morning. I compromise with my wife. We compromise with the, uh, with, with the people I play golf with. I mean, you, you compromise with everything but not politics? doesn't make any sense to me. So that's what I would say. Compromise is what we ought to think about. Yes, sir. So I really look forward to playing golf with you because we're going to compromise. <laughs> when I hit it in the water, we're going to compromise and say, you know, you didn't see that. I get a, I get a mulligan on every hole. No, I'll give you, I'll give you a free drop. How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are such a class human being. I admire you so much. I hope you'll agree to be on my show again. I watch you. My Absolutely. listeners need to tune in. I wish they would give us some, 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 some heads up when you're going to be the guest on a show, and you know that never happens. So it's kind of a, a wonderful, yeah. you know, celebration when I tune into a show and there you are. But let's give the uh, listeners one more chance, uh, one more way to get a hold of you, or one more uh, identification, uh, website identification, if you would so that we can join your tribe and keep in touch, get a hold of your book. What's the name of your book or books? What, what would you advise us to, well, the, the, to purchase? Um, the book I wrote is The New New American Lifestyle, and I wrote that after 9-11 because I thought we would have a new lifestyle. I think we did. And then it, it talked a little bit about how we were going to be going forward. And I do have a lot of articles, not only on the lost art of compromise, but on a winning campaign. What are the traits of, of a winning personality? Uh, and all of those those types of issues that uh, you know we, we talked about today in, in terms of uh, a winning campaign as well. Uh, what are those characteristics and features um, that make a winner and a real winner, not a, not a, not a phony? Winning personalities, winning traits. Wow, it's like eHarmony Rossi. This is going great. <laughs> this is awesome. A whole new field. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we've been uh, interviewing Dr. Bart Rossi. PhD, one of the one of the experts in human performance and changing our mindsets into positive behavior. Thanks for being on my show, and uh, and God bless us. God bless those in 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 Las Vegas who are hurting, who are struggling, trying to make sense of this. And with your words of wisdom and your encouragement, we're we're going to be excited to figure out in the next few days why someone would do that. But more importantly, now having interviewed you, we have ideas of how we can prevent someone and especially ourselves from ever getting ourselves in a situation where we might contemplate such a horrific event. 
This is Dan Clark. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, Influencers Channel. Let's take a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Amy Whalen, is the Director of Training and Educational Development for Positive IQ. Don't go anywhere. She is fascinating. Thanks, Doc. And we'll be back in a moment. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the art of significance. Here again is Dan Clark. We've been talking to Dr. Bart Rossi, a psychologist. And for those of you who just tuned in, I encourage you to get the podcast on demand. Fascinating discussion that took us everywhere from the mindset of a shooter. He's been an expert and a commentator on multiple national television shows trying to get us into the minds of these mass murderers and the the, the profiling that's been going on. And uh, he gave us some, some fabulous insight on why people complain and blame others and why we have a tendency to want to put somebody else down to make ourselves feel better about who they are. My next guest, though, is one of the more intriguing people I've ever had an opportunity to to interview. And I want to kind of take us back to the preamble of my show today that sets up my conversation and my questions with the famous Amy Whalen. Positive psychology is different than regular psychology, and that's my naivety, that's my layman's terminology, because when we think of psychologists, when we think of psychiatrists, 
I think we stereotypically put them in an office with a sofa and we're supposed to make an appointment, come in and lay on the couch and vent and piss and moan about our lives and blame our dads for our, our miserable ex, you know, existence. And I can't even imagine how regressive therapy would, uh, would solve the day by taking us back to the past without giving us a solution to move forward in the future. So in my research, positive psychology is the scientific study of the strengths that enable individuals and communities to thrive. You're taking the positive aspect. Many of you listeners have heard me speak as a professional speaker. You've read some of my books. If we sit around wondering if the glass is half empty or half full, we've missed the point. It's refillable. Thinking positively or thinking negatively does not fill up the glass. The pouring does. One of my favorite quotes, it's easier to act our way into positive thinking than it is to think our way into positive action. The field of positive psychology is founded on the belief that people want to lead meaningful and fulfilling lives to cultivate what is best within themselves and to enhance their experiences of love, work, and play. Yeah, I got that uh, for their definition, the official positive psychology website. But what I understand is that there's basically three pillars of positive psychology, and their central concerns are positive experiences, positive individual traits, and positive institutions. And what that does, as we understand positive psychology, it helps us understand positive emotions are really what help us be content with the past, find happiness in the present, and have that undying hope for the future. So my next guest is going to be one of the most fascinating uh, interviews I've ever had. Amy Whalen is the Director of Training and Educational Development for Positive IQ. How cool is that title? For 10 years, Amy has created and presented workshops for Fortune 500 companies across America. While she's trained on subjects ranging from stress management and work-life balance to negotiation, delegation, and effective leadership, teaching about positivity is Amy's life work. It's her, her passion. Positive IQ, which I'm interested to find out about, is a not-for-profit organization committed to enhancing the well-being and supporting individuals, businesses, and communities in living a more hopeful life. And the last paragraph of her amazing long, long resume that I've consolidated and distilled into this short discussion, while gathering the research to use in corporate workshops, Amy Whalen discovered that positivity requires a great amount of grit, great word. She's learned that positivity is determination to create a good life. It's not wishful thinking or hoping that something good will just happen. It's a process of interacting with negativity life throws our way. It's continual conscious work, but she's personally found it's absolutely work worth doing. Amy Whalen, welcome to my show. You are amazing. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So let's go back to the beginning. Not a DNA. Take us a little bit further along in your life than DNA. But tell us where in the world did you come up with this? How did you find, this is a better question, how did you find this path of positivity 
And how did you create this amazing organization called Positive IQ? Teach us about it, how it came about, and what your life work is about right now, please. I really appreciate that. And thank you for having me on your show. I think when we look at positive psychology, what intrigued me the most about the concept is that a lot of uh, the aspects of psychology is looking at the sadness and measuring the sadness um, and how we can ultimately bring someone from maybe desperation and heartache to just this level of normalcy. Uh, And even that is a great thing. Um, I know that I've had experiences that have put me in a position where I needed to learn more about some positive strategies. And as I look at positive psychology overall, it is the concept of being able to go above that line of normalcy. And also, it's this idea that we have control. And that doesn't mean bad things won't happen or that we won't interact with negativity ever, but it does mean that we have this semblance and this capacity to create a good life. So for someone who is self-proclaimed to be a little controlling (laughs) of my life, it kind of gave me that incentive to push forward and learn more about what this concept of positivity is, to define it, to study it, to see how it ultimately helps people's lives. So through Positive IQ, essentially we started out we are a nonprofit organization, and we started out trying to figure out what this element of positivity could do for people. Uh, and we saw a consistency in people that were successful, but also people that were able to come back from serious setbacks. What were the commonalities between all of these people, and could we break them down into character traits? And could these character traits, if built upon, improve people's lives? So through our research, um, our team has found 10 key character traits. Okay, so before before you mention them, may I interrupt you and ask a very intriguing question based on one word that you said? Yes. So we need to go beyond normalcy. That's what you said, right? We need to break break away from the normalcy. Well, this is is my thought process. I love analogies. When you put a hard-to-catch horse in the same field with an easy-to-catch horse, most of the time you end up with two hard-to-catch horses. When you put a healthy child in the same room with a sick child, most of the time you end up with two sick children. So to be disciplined, healthy, and significant, we need to associate with the disciplined, healthy, and the significant. So on my show, I love my quotes, and I, I, I always refer to one of my most famous quotes, we become the average of the five people we associate with the most, which means if we hang around with five broke people, we're going to become the sixth. If we hang around with five whining, complaining people, like we talked about in the first segment of the show, we're going to become the sixth, which means to break away, we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings. So here's my, my question to you, my friend. If our environment at home, mm-hmm. if our environment at school, if our environment at work is negative mm-hmm. and we become the average of the five people we associate with the most, which means we're almost relegated to associate with these people because of the circumstances mm-hmm. in which we live or work or function, 
how can we possibly break away? Having said that, the second law of thermodynamics pops into my mind. You put a hot substance in the same vat with a cold substance, and in Mm -hmm. a matter of moments, they become an equal temperature. The high becomes middle, and the low becomes middle, which means that we've got to figure out a way to stop being desensitized, if you will. If you and I walk into a room that stinks so bad, our eyes start to water, our noses bleed, our ears are ringing, you and I both know that if we stay in that room for five or ten minutes, suddenly it no longer stinks anymore. It's not, no longer is it rank. It has become the new normal, so mm-hmm. I want you to just talk about normal. How do we know what normal is? And then how do we encourage ourselves and others whom we love, whom we're responsible mm-hmm. for, to break out of that normalcy, to jump the fence, if you will, from the negative horses, the hard-to-catch horses, to get out of the sick hospital rooms and start getting healthy again? How do we That's do that? Question. And maybe those are your 10 magical, uh, maybe that's your secret sauce that I'm milking for. But before you get to the 10, please address that. This is fascinating to have you on my show. No, well, and I appreciate it. What I'd like to, to talk about then is, is that what you've proposed is that we are influenced by our environment. Absolutely. Uh, and I love it when science can back up things that we feel instinctually anyway, that we know that Emotions are contagious. So Dr. Allison Hill out of Harvard found with her colleagues that through looking at the way we contract things like hand, foot, and mouth disease and SARS, common flu, when we are subject to those types of things, we will contract them, yes. Emotions are the same thing. So the idea is when we are in an environment like you proposed being with a sick person, chances are we're going to get sick. When we are around people that are consistently negative, chances are it does change our perspective because they're adding maybe a different bias into the conversation. But the great thing is we can influence the conditions. We might not be able to change someone else. Wouldn't it be great if we could? (laughs) Yeah, really. We... (laughs) but we can influence. So just when you're talking about the temperature of a water, we dump in ice, we dump in boiling water, we get maybe room temperature over time. So the idea is add something else to it. So where we influence other people is we, just like negative emotions are contagious, positive emotions are as well. So when we're looking at maybe normalcy or creating an environment that is neutral, Um, or we want to sway it into that positive environment, we need to recognize that we have a responsibility to do that. And also that we have the capacity to do that. One way I would suggest is if we are around someone that's negative, and negative in the way of those common definitions of what negative is, they're complaining, or maybe they're saying this will never work, or... um, Life is always hard, which, again, we don't want to discard someone's feelings and their experience, especially after something tragic. So what we want to do is hear them out, see their perspective, 
And what positive elements we can start adding into it is we say, tell us maybe what you see that we don't see. Chances are if someone's negative, they're, they're either seeing things that we don't, they see potential obstacles, or they're scared that maybe they won't be able to deliver what needs to be delivered. So they're fearful of something. So by us influencing by way of positivity, it helps that conversation move in a more progressive way. I love it. So what you're saying is we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. If you and I are looking at, if you and I are in the same room, we're looking out a window and looking Mm -hmm. at the same lashing rainstorm and I complain, what a horrible day. And you exclaim, it's a wonderful day. The weather did not change. So what you're saying is we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So how do we change what we see? First, as with all of psychology, um, it's that old joke, right? How how many psychologists does it take to to change a light bulb? They can't because the light bulb has to want to change. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. (laughs) So we genuinely, number one, we have to see the benefit in making necessary changes. And positivity, and this is the fascinating part of it for me, is that it's not necessarily easy. It is difficult, and it is constant work. So in looking at the rainstorm, and this is the other aspect of positivity too, we don't have to sugarcoat everything and say, I love rain. But instead, we can look for what we can control. Well, I can buy an umbrella. I can wear a coat. I can interact with the negativity. I don't have to love it but I can't get through it. Or or we can learn to dance in the rain. Sure. I call I it sprinklers because it. it's free sprinklers for my yard. Um, I don't have to turn my sprinklers on that day. I love it. All right. Okay. So you're talking about changing mindset. Okay. So work-life balance. You know, I speak a couple hundred times a year all over the, all over the world. And it seems to me that when it's longer than a one-day conference, they always have some expert come in and talk about work-life balance. And that's always confusing to me because no matter what they say, it's still an either-or proposition, which creates guilt. You spend more time at home, and your work life suffers. You spend more time at work, your home life suffers. So what I've tried to talk about and what I've explained in my book, The Art of Significance, Mm -hmm. law number eight is experience harmony instead of forcing work-life balance. So one of the things I love to do is ask my audiences, how many of you are great at multitasking? And most people raise their hands, and then I call them out on the carpet and say, you just admitted in public that you're lousy at a lot of things. <laughs> and my suggestion in minds, in changing their mindset is, what would happen if they stopped thinking of themselves as, as multitaskers and started thinking of themselves as a juggler because the juggler only controls the ball in her hand. Mm-hmm. Once she's let go of the ball, she's relinquished control. So why worry about it and only focus in on that ball that she can control until she recatches that the ball she threw, which means that we can have an either and proposition in work-life balance. Like and so that. I'm saying to you that it's such a simple mindset change Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting that we can, like you're saying, you don't look at rain as a negative, you look at rain as a positive, as a free watering, a free sprinkler. It, it saves your water bill. That's what you're saying. 
Absolutely. Well, and going back to your analogy of juggling as well, part of positive IQ is recognizing priorities that we label as values. And so we might not be able to control all of the balls that we're juggling, but where we can, let's do that. Let's, let's determine what's genuinely valuable to us and if it is not serving us and if it's, if it's affecting us in a very um, negative way or it's adversely affecting relationships or our career, can we examine those proverbial balls? Um, and Because those can be tasks, right? But if we implement the, the idea that we have values, this is what's important to me. And if this... Um, proverbial ball is really inhibiting my ability to juggle this other area of my life, I need to be able to take control and say, is this worth it? So absolutely, it is a mindset, but it is also the actions that make that mindset effective. So the practical application of the mindset. In other words, if some of our listeners, if we have a tendency to look at ourselves in the mirror as as someone who's overweight, sluggish, out of shape, and we actually label ourselves as a fat failure, that's not that's not positive. That's negative, and we're sabotaging our our chances to to improve. What would happen Absolutely. if we just changed that negative mindset from fat failure, and we saw ourselves as someone who has been very successful at putting on weight, <laughs> realizing right. that we didn't gain it all at the, at the same time. We gained weight one pound, one calorie at a time, which means we must lose weight one pound, one calorie at a time. Right. So what you're saying is instead of just changing our mindset, we need to put a value on why we're changing that mindset and mm-hmm. making sure that it's, it's, it's backed up with some actual action. That's what you're saying? Absolutely, that we, we see the benefit because when we do make any sort of behavioral change, we have to be able to see that the cost or losing those pounds by pounds by pounds, that we can see that there's more benefit than that cost. So the benefit could be feeling better or being able to interact more in an active way with your children or your friends, feeling better. So getting that that proper perspective of why you're doing it helps you improve or at least lengthen your list of reasons you're doing it, that benefit versus those maybe discouraging days when we're not losing pound by pound by pound or feeling better. I love it. So it's not just going on a diet because no one that I've ever met wants to diet. In fact, I got a buddy, he's about 5'11", 340 pounds, and I'm just so concerned. His his He, he had serious chest pains one day. We're out on the road. He's an, he's an entertainer. And I took him into the doctor, and thank God the doctor had a sense of humor because my buddy was just complaining, blaming, making excuses for his lack of why or his lack of motive or his lack of end result like you were talking about. And he said, doctor, it's a medical problem. And the doctor with a tongue in cheek, he says, no, the only medical problem you suffer from is that your body retains too much chocolate fudge cake. Mm -hmm. And we all laughed. And then my buddy tried to explain away his obesity again. And he says, no, doc, you don't understand. Obesity runs in my family. And the doctor said, no, no one runs in your family. So we laughed about it. But he actually had a reason to leave the emergency room 
because he wanted to feel better, because he was concerned about his health. It was a wake-up call that it wasn't just part of his act being a country comedian and being overweight and making self-deprecating jokes about it. It was actually now a life-and-death situation that he had to do something about. That's what you're saying. We can talk about it all we want, but until it becomes a real important thing for us to accomplish – it's not really positive IQ after all. It's just positive thinking, and that doesn't change anything, right? Right, and it's, it's sustainable. If, we can, if our motive for losing weight is to get to a specific number, that is kind of an extrinsic way of looking at things. That's an extrinsic reward. And a lot of times, we might not be able to fully control getting to that number, and maybe it might not be realistic, But if we look at it from an intrinsic reward system, we will notice the small but yet significant benefits along the way. And that provides motivation to move forward. So if if I say I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to, we could even say go back to grad school, and I know that that will be a difficult thing, um, but if I see that the benefit at the end of getting to grad school or, or graduating or, or losing the weight, I see the small benefits along the way. Mm. So the losing the weight is, I feel better today. Um, I agree. I was able to run a little bit farther. I love but, it. And, beca- and because, we're, because you and I are athletes, Maybe we shouldn't put the emphasis on losing X number of pounds because we both know muscle outweighs the fat in our body. So maybe the the goal would be physical fitness, not so much how much me, how much we weigh, but how much how how much better we feel, and more importantly, are we physically fit to do the tasks that are required of us at home, in recreation and at work? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, and think of it this way too where we don't ever want to buy a light bulb, we want the benefit of light. So in this scenario, we don't necessarily, if we can remind ourselves, we don't want to lose weight, we want to feel better. So we want the result. And, and again, that's more measurable, and it's a little more controllable. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, guru. Yes, your majesty. You're amazing. You're all of the above. I'm speaking with Amy Whalen, who's the director of training and educational development for Positive IQ. That's her not-for-profit organization committed to enhancing the well-being and supporting individuals, businesses, and our communities in living a more hopeful life. Let's go to commercial break. And Amy, I want to come back with our listeners and have you teach us your 10, what do you call it, the secret sauce? What do you call it, 10 commitments, character development? What, character what are you calling traits. these? The 10, uh, the 10 character, character traits. traits. What, are you, what are they, sorry? The 12 character traits of positive IQ. All right. I cannot wait. Don't go anywhere. Let's go to commercial message. Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com. We'll be back in a minute. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. 
He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. So my guest is still the amazing Amy Whalen. And while gathering the research to use in corporate workshops, she's discovered that positivity requires a great amount of grit. What does that word mean to you, Amy? I love it. It's being, it's being able to recognize that we need to do the work to get back up. Um, it's, it's an amount of resilience, of course, but it's also a component of passion, Dr. Angela Duckworth has written a fantastic book on the subject, has done extensive research on it, but I love that it can't be housed under the idea and the concept of positivity. Wow. 
All right, as promised, we have 12 character traits that you've uncovered, that you've polished and perfected, that you teach. Before we go on, I want to have our listeners get a, at least a couple of chances to write down your contact information. How do we get a hold of you? Obviously, you you do your amazing workshops in, you, you support individuals, businesses, and communities. And how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, you can email me at awyland, W-E-I-L-A-N-D, at PositiveIQ.com. Uh, you can also visit our website. It will have a lot of our information that we'll talk about today in terms of the 12 character traits. Um, but we do corporate wor- workshops where we come in and teach. Uh, our most popular is the four foundations of building positivity that essentially helps organizations establish a positive culture. Um, what I love about it the most is that it, it addresses the topic of resiliency and how to handle conflict in the workplace and establish a culture that is essentially progressive. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So now I need to beg your forgiveness and confess my sins. I've been calling you Amy Wayland, and you never took the time to say it's Wyland, Dan. You know, Wyland. So my maiden name is Miller, and no one ever mispronounced Miller, so I got That's used funny. to it. And so now marrying into Wyland, it's okay. It goes with the territory, and it's just fine. Well, what a cool name. Dan Clark, I sound like a cereal box. I think I'm going to change my name and maybe to D'Artanian from now on so people have a chance to mispronounce it. Sorry, I'm a little I twisted. Like it. <laughs> okay, my friend, let's get into the heart and soul of uh, a positive IQ. What are the 12, what are these 12 character traits? And I, I, I want to I kind of couch it in a, in a question, if I may. There are certain things in this life that, that can be taught. We know that. But there are other things in this life that we must learn. And I sure hope that we can learn from you and your research and your wisdom because apparently these 12 character traits apply to us as human beings and to our businesses and to our communities as a whole. So let's start. Go for it, my friend. Great. So essentially when we started out with the research project, we wanted to see commonality. Um, and also things that could be used, as you mentioned, in a professional setting, uh, interacting with colleagues, coworkers, uh, customers, but also something that really does influence our personal life, too. So we found 12 traits that could hang together really well in this, in this um, pattern, essentially. So love is absolutely one of them. It is a component of positivity that um, kind of enables this devotion uh, to what you're doing and the people with whom you're with. We also find that kindness is great in terms of positive IQ, um, reaching outside of yourself, noticing other people, noticing when they um, positively affect someone else. Gratitude as well. There's extensive research on how gratitude can help make us not only more positive, but happier as well. Forgiveness is an additional element. Harmonious passion, playfulness, which is one that I personally am trying really hard to work on. (laughs) I I tend to go a little too serious at times. Um, 
temperance. That's, what, that's where I can come thing. in. And, that's where I can come in and help you. You know, we're talking about physical fitness, and I'm sitting here as a hypocrite, going, you know, I'm saving my money up for liposuction and a tummy tuck. Let's move on to a completely different subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, maybe we could benefit each other. Then you could help me learn a little more there. Absolutely. Um, temperance is another one, and of course, resiliency. Being able to push through difficulties. Um, while feeling the negative feelings that are coming through. And I don't mean negative in a way that it's bad, but sadness and being distraught and being discouraged, but ultimately being able to learn from those things and move through them. Commitment is another huge one, whether it's an internal commitment that I want to be a positive person, so I will make external commitments to make sure that um, ultimately I can live that positive life that I'm not too overworked with things um, that are affecting my values. Uh, Trust is another element as well as intelligent discernment and positive disposition. So those 12 traits, essentially, when you take the assessment that we have online, it gives you a number and will tell you essentially where, not only where you fit on that scale, maybe you get um, a 72 in forgiveness, but it also lets you know how much you value the trait because we tend to work more for things we value. So essentially it's, it's set up in a way that people gain self-awareness and how they interact with positivity and where they have room for growth. Wow. That's amazing. So trust, the definition of sales is the transference of trust. Obviously, the reason why we enter into any relationship, as I would say, is so we can leave each other saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. You know, it's a positivity. I want to focus on another word you brought up, though, resiliency. When I was back in the Reagan White House back in the 80s, I spoke, I took Mrs. Reagan's Just Say No program to all 50 states. So between 1983 and 89, I spoke to over 6 million teenagers in thousands of schools. And during that same period of time, we had a brutal suicide epidemic in North America. I was flown into Plano, Texas, the Beverly Hills of Dallas. They had six suicides in their high school in one day, seven in the same week. South Shore of New Jersey, Greenwich, Connecticut, blah, blah, blah. And here in my home state of Utah, it's starting to raise its ugly head again. And from what I understand, Utah is one of the leading states in teenage suicide. It's so sad. It's just an epidemic that's turning pandemic. And even though this is an international show, it's on my mind every day, resiliency. What could I do to help? How could we participate? How can we give our young people hope? But at the same time, I'm very tied into the military I've been on the National Civic Leaders Board with the Chief of Staff of the Air Force for many years and have uh, been downrange, as we call it, to the combat troops, front, front lines, eight different military tribute tours. So resiliency is on the mind and it's in the heart of every single military leader because of the high propensity for suicide in our military men and women. So not bringing us down and still angry about what happened in the mass murder, the massacre in Las Vegas, where someone wants to kill people, someone wants to take his own life and take others with him, when in reality, we ought to, we ought to honor the sacredness 
and sanctity of life and do everything we know how to do to stay alive one more day, volunteering for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. These kids are battling terminal illness and they'd give anything to live one more day. And we have some bonehead wanting to take his life and take other people's lives and cut it short. It just doesn't make sense to me. So as we wind down our discussion here, my friend, and we have about 10 minutes, maybe a little bit longer, Amy, help us focus in on one of your 12 traits because I'm selfish. I want to focus in on resiliency. How do we how do we encourage people? How do we convince every one of us that you get knocked down seven times, you get back up eight, that no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future? I think it's a great question, especially in light of everything that has happened. And I think the first step is recognizing that we fear what we don't understand. And part of resiliency is is not avoiding all emotion. And when we are fearful, especially when we're trying to wrap our brain around something we don't understand and we're trying to find answers, it is okay to feel. So resiliency isn't something where we immediately get back up and everything is okay. It's not just this knee-jerk reaction where we just assume everything's fine and I should be fine and I shouldn't be upset and I should be able to get through this and talk my way out of it. Resiliency is built. I think one of the core concepts within kind of coming back from this tragedy is to first honor whatever it is you're feeling. And that is a component of resiliency. First acknowledging, I'm worried or I'm scared, or I'm straight up upset, I'm angry. There's no wrong emotion in this case, especially after a traumatic incident. So we first need to be able to honor that. The the second thing is we have to be able to talk about it, which is Mm -hmm. why I'm really glad that you would ask me to be on your show and that it's something that people are discussing, that we're able to say, I don't like that this is happening and I feel really uncomfortable and I feel really worried. I'm struggling. What that does is when we experience something traumatic, we feel like we're losing control. And talking about it is this semblance of regaining a little bit of that control again. Wow, that's brilliant. You know, I played football for 13 years. I was paralyzed in a tackling drill, 14 months, 16 doctors told me I wouldn't get better. And as I started to get better, I was asked to speak. That's how I became a speaker and an author. I mentioned that earlier in the show today. But what happened is, as I've I've grown out of this experience, and I admit that it's one of the best things that ever happened to me, I don't want you or my listeners to misunderstand me. My accident isn't one of the best things that ever happened to me, but who I became as a man and what I learned about priorities and myself as a result of going through the setback clearly made it one of the best things that's ever happened to me. But a lot of people ask me now, why did you stay paralyzed for so long? And what you've triggered in me, my friend, is a a remembrance, a memory that when I hit rock bottom, I thought I was depressed, but I just flippantly used that word. I didn't have a chemical imbalance. I wasn't prescribed. I I didn't have a physician give me a, a diagnosis that I needed medication. What I learned, my friend, is that there's a giant difference between being depressed and being disappointed. Huge difference between being depressed and being discouraged and being sad. And what you're saying is you don't control your feelings. You control your behavior. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be 
to, to be down and out. It's okay to be sad. So it's really important that we get in tune with our feelings and we surround ourselves with people who allow us to feel instead of saying, don't be angry or don't be sad or don't be discouraged. What we need to encourage one another to do is say, wait a minute, it's okay. Now let's talk about what we're going to do about it. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, because we don't want to suppress that. That's part of the healing process. And we want to be around people that don't try to, Brene Brown calls it silver lining everything, um, where they want us to immediately say, well, I guess it's okay. It could be worse. Or when people try to, to help us say, you know, well, at least it's not as bad as it could be. That doesn't help us. We want people to be able to allow us to feel what we're feeling and express what we're feeling until we're ready to move on. Another key element of this resiliency as well, Dr. Angela Duckworth, I mentioned her work a little earlier. In her book, Grit, she talks about part of grit and resiliency is being able to distinguish between temporary and permanent. Will this affect me forever, or will it affect me for the foreseeable future? Maybe not knowing how long I'll be sad, but I know eventually I will be okay. So we need to be able to distinguish between temporary and permanent, especially when we're in a state of intense sadness or grief. We do have to be able to identify, I will, I will feel better eventually. I know for me personally... Um, nine years ago in November, I lost my mother to breast cancer. And there is that immediate sense of loss. And you think, will I feel normal again? Will I be able to go to the the grocery store and pick up something without crying? Um, It's this intense feeling of vulnerability. But if we can tell ourselves, it's okay to feel this now, and I won't always feel like this. That helps yeah. us build up the resiliency day by day to get through something difficult. It's like one of my songs, In Two More Days, Tomorrow's Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like we, yeah, we have to hold on. So as we, as we wind down, <clears throat> give me a couple of minute assessment. Give me a couple of minute summarization of why this is your life work, why Positive IQ, what you've come up with as a training program is so amazing. I'm, I can't wait to have you back on my show if you'll allow that because I want to support you in every way I can. This is so amazing and it's for all of us. Tie a little bow around Positive IQ. Send us on a, send us on a high that basically says we, we can heal as a country divided by Republican, Democrat. We can heal from this this Las Vegas tragedy, this massacre, we can heal, we can bounce back, positivity, there's more love in the world than there is hate. Please uh, tie a little bow around this before we go to my final commercial break. Well, it's a large task, right? But I hope that the, the idea of positive IQ, the idea of positivity overall is help is to essentially provide people with ways that they can get through difficult things. And my task, as I see it, is to provide relief, but to also provide action steps. 
something that people can latch on to and do. When we are healing, it, we feel moved to do something to contribute in a positive way. So maybe I can leave you with this bit of action. There's a great concept called micro-kindness. It's an aspect of positivity um, that's kind of being developed by um, a gentleman in Utah named Austin Hudson. And we've we've known about micro-kindness for a while um, in terms of a larger definition of it. But essentially, when we're going through something difficult, we tend to find what we're looking for. If we're looking for fear, if we're looking for sadness, we'll find it. If we're looking for good, it will be there. And this idea of micro-kindness is essentially taking action to make small, positive impressions in the world around us. And that means simple things, random, spontaneous acts of kindness, holding open the door for someone, uh, tearing off a piece of paper and leaving a note on someone's car, sending a note to one of your friends. Now, will this solve all of the trauma and the world problems? No, but what happens is, and the way we understand positivity and these acts of kindness, is that they can have that ripple effect. Little pops of positivity translate to bigger, more healing forms of positivity. So do something very small today. If you can't do something large, if we can't contribute money, if we can't be there to help people physically, we can do these small acts of micro-kindness to start healing us, ourselves, as a community. Wow. So, yeah, we want to help people with Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, and we want to donate blood in Las Vegas and travel, but most of us in our situations cannot take that much time away from our families, from our work, to travel to these places, to give service. But what you're saying, my friend, is that maybe we just need to look inside our own homes. Maybe we need to put down our cell phone and notice the young lady or the young man across from us if we're teenagers. Maybe we need to do what we can with what we can instead of looking for the giant fixes we remember the pebble in the shoe, you know, as, as I dreamed of climbing the Grand Teton, what kept me from the summit on my first attempt was not the giant boulders in the pathway, it was the pebble in the shoe. Right. That David actually brought down Goliath with a little stone no, no, no bigger than a pebble in the shoe. I'm on the air here with Amy Wyland. Yes, I got your name right. Amy Wyland, you're fascinating, you're amazing. What a professional guru. Positive IQ is the name of her not-for-profit organization. One more time, how do we get a hold of you? And I highly recommend you as a solution to what's ailing our country and how we can heal as a, as a country, as a community, and heal within our families. Please tell us how to get a hold of you. Thank you so much. You can either drop me an email at awyland, A-W-E-I-L-A-N-D, at positiveiq.com. You can check out our website, positiveiq.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram as well. Okay, my friend. This is Amy Weiland. This, is, uh, this has been wonderful. Thanks for joining me. Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com, the influencers channel. Let's go back uh, to one last final commercial break. 
and then we'll uh, come back to me. I just have one little 30-second vignette story that I want to share as we wind up our our tribute to those who lost their lives to the injured in Las Vegas, Nevada, where we've dedicated an entire show talking about positive IQ and from a psychologist's perspective on what we need to do to make sure this does not happen again. God bless us all. Let's go to commercial break. stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers if you're an event meeting planner like me you have two ongoing challenges you can't afford to have a speaker who bombs and when you do have an amazing speaker who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them well you never have to worry again book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme, so your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121, or just visit danclark.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Because of our show today, I just wanted to come back and tie a little bow around our experience and our conversations. Um, Dr. Rossi and Amy Weiland, brilliant, and I hope you got something out of this. I'm melancholy thinking about those who've lost their lives in Las Vegas and the hurting and those that might be added to the uh, the deceased because of gunshot wounds. And there's got to be something that we can do. As a professional speaker, it's, it's maybe odd to say that sometimes words get in the way. And it reminds me of one of my most famous stories that I love to conclude my speeches with. Before I share it, please join my tribe. Please come and and be part of my life and let me be part of yours at danclark.com. Click on receive free gifts and training. I have several new books available on amazon.com, The Art of Significance. Achieving the Level Beyond Success is my book of the 12 highest universal laws of life-changing leadership. One of 
the laws, the closing book in law is forgiveness. That's what we need in our country to heal and to tie a bow around what I'm saying and how I've been feeling for the last two hours. A mother encourages her daughter to come home as soon as school is over. The time comes, the time goes. 30 minutes later, daughter walks in through the front door of her home and her mother scolds her. Where have you been? I've been worried sick. She says, oh, mommy, I walked my friend Sally home. She dropped her doll on the sidewalk. It broke all to pieces. It was awful. Her mother said, so you're late because you stayed to help your friend pick up the pieces of the doll and put it back together again? She said, oh, no, mommy, I didn't know how to fix the doll. I just stayed to help her cry. Not just tears of sadness at this brutal time in our history, in our American weekend, but tears of victory, tears of joy. God bless our troops. God bless our our military families. God bless our nation's leaders that they might learn to communicate better, that we might learn to forgive, and that we might come together and heal knowing that the same God who made you made me too. America truly is the land of the free because of the brave. Our first responders, our police officers, our firefighters, I honor you, we all do. Thanks for the example you set on a daily basis to all of us to put service before self at the top of our list of core values. Again, thanks for joining me, Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com. Tune in next week and have a great day. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.